Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. While there are some who say their work lives have become much easier since the pandemic, the vast majority of the people I speak to say they're feeling overburdened and burned out at work, which ends up, of course, negatively impacting their lives at home. And as with everything, according to me, the answer is to set healthy boundaries and stick to them. Today, I'm talking about why you're burned out at work and my top five tips for keeping those boundaries and making it stop. So stay tuned. I'm Dr. Abby Metcalf, and I'm a psychologist, number one Amazon bestselling author, TEDx speaker, and all-around relationship maven. With over 30 years of experience helping people create connection, joy, and ease in all their relationships. What's my secret? Well, besides being totally hilarious, I help you think differently so you can approach your relationships in a completely new way. I'm the best deal in town because the tools I teach apply to all your relationships, which allows you to simplify your life and find the confidence, calm, and deep love you've been craving. Combining my hands-on experience and all the latest research, I've created actionable tips and tools you can apply quickly and easily to create lasting change in all your relationships today. So let's get to it. Welcome back. Hello. How are you today? Let's all take a moment. We are here in the space together. I promise not to sing. I don't have a great voice. I am, oh, and I'm coughing at you right away. Let me have a sip of tea. As everyone knows, how do I take my tea? Earl Grey with my with my milk and sugar because I pretend to be British. So shout out to my Brits. I have a lot of wonderful people um, who, from across the pond, as we like to say, <laughs> who email me regularly. I love hearing from you. And I have a lot of regular people in Australia who email me regularly from Brisbane to Sydney. To, I got somebody in Western Australia and like Perth um, who emails a lot. I love it. I love it all. I love hearing from you. 
from Sweden to Sri Lanka. I, it's amazing to me that I have so many people around the world listening. It's very exciting. And I'm. it tickles me like I can't even tell you. So I'm glad you're here. And if you're watching me on YouTube, you can see this fabulous shirt I'm wearing. I'm, I've really outdone myself with the shirt, I just want to say. But if you can't see it, oh, well. Um, <laughs> and thank you again for your wonderful reviews. Keep them coming. Don't forget, it's the way to show me love uh, on Spotify and Apple or wherever you download uh, would be wonderful. So I want your input on something and I, I promise to jump in. We have a lot to talk about today, but, and I mentioned it a little bit last week and I'm going to keep mentioning it because I want to keep hearing your input. <clears throat> I am definitely going to be starting a membership in 2023. <clears throat> Excuse me. After I'm done coughing in your ear, I'm so sorry. Okay. It's called uh, Love Made Easy. That's my working title. I think I'm going to keep it because, you know, relationships made easy and I'm adorable and cute. So it's Love Made Easy. And in it, you know, it's about you're going to have more access to me. I'll be doing teaches, live Q&As, offering extras for each podcast to help really integrate the information, you know, so maybe there'll be more tips or more worksheets. The podcast will always still be what it is. I promise I, I will not change that. I'm not going to suddenly not have the podcast be amazing and awesome. Uh, without you needing to join anything or do anything else. But this is just sort of that next step in our journey together as I'm really looking at my future um, in general and just what I want to do. And I, I really love, you know, the podcast has been one of the most amazing, wonderful, beautiful surprise. I'm going to cry. It, surprises of my life. Um, you know, something I just started on a whim to just help people just as a give and trying to create, you know, that world peace I want. And it's just blown up and it's incredible. And I thought, well, how, this is the thing. I, I love my clients. I love seeing them, but, and I really want this to be bigger, you know, our relationship to be bigger. So that's what I've been working on. And uh, I hired a coach to help me through that part. And she's amazing. I used her years ago, actually, the same person years ago who I hired who helped me start the podcast. Um, anyway, and so I just really want to uh, have a place for more because when I do each podcast, I have to tell you, I could I could go for three hours for each one. <laughs> I have so much information that I distill down so that it's shorter and people can kind of, you know, really grasp it. And I think that's good, actually, because, you know, we don't need to go on and on. And... I do often have more tips or like a worksheet I want to create for it or, you know, just something to like make the learning more. And it's just too much, you know, with my private practice and this and speaking, it, I, there's only so much I can do on some level, but the membership is somewhere I can, I can do more and be bigger. And I'm really excited because it's a way for you and I to be closer and for me to really help you in a more direct way. So, you know, I know a lot of people can't afford my rates. If you go on the Let's Connect page, you know, you can see them. They're about $400 US, USD and up to meet with me. And so this is going to be super affordable. And, and I'm usually booked anyway. So it's just hard. And here's going to be a super affordable option to get access to me and really change your life in significant ways. And for me to have access to you in new ways. So if you think the podcast is great and helpful, the membership is going to blow your way. That's all I've got to say. So if you're up for it, I'd love to hear about what you'd like to see in the membership. Like what kind, you know, would the work, would extra worksheets be the most helpful? Would, would you like me to do like an ongoing course? You know, I have my 
Boundaries Made Easy book coming out around the same time. And I was planning to like walk people through that in the membership so we could really get down and dirty. And because you know how I am with boundaries. I just, it's mindfulness and boundaries. I think that's like my main thing. And, um, you know, what would be most helpful to you? That's what I want. That's what this is for. And for us to really just have a deeper, better relationship and all around. So email me directly with your ideas, abby at abbymedcalf.com. You can email me from the Let's Connect page on the website if you can't remember my name right now. Uh, you know, this is for you. So I'd love your input as I, I'm going to create something magical and, and the most helpful it can be. I am dedicated to that. And I'm excited about that. I'm so excited. You can tell. All right. <clears throat> so let's get to today's topic and learn how to create boundaries at work. What a thought. So I want to give a little history. Um, and it's some crazy history. And this is about in the United States. And I really, I started to go down the rabbit hole of other countries and it, it cause you know, I do have listeners from all around the world and I realized I was going to spend the entire podcast on, you know, giving all the stats all around the world. And I, I didn't want to do that. So it, it just got to be too much. But I did look at a lot of research that has happened, especially since the pandemic that covers different countries from Israel to um, Great Britain to Australia, China, Japan, Spain, like uh, the Netherlands, it had this, there's quite a bit of it. Again, I'll link to it on the website so you can go look at it later if you want. But it's really kind of cool how the uh, different groups have been studying how the pandemic has affected world trade and workers and, you know, all that for the last few years. It's really interesting. So, but I am going to, most of my listeners are here in the United States, and I'm just going to say that, that here in the U.S., there were, as part of the New Deal, the Fair Labor Standard Act was passed, okay? And it was in that that they set a standard for a 40-hour work week, which was, which was way better than what was happening before then. I won't even get into that. But, but the problem is that this has never been revisited here in the U.S. <laughs> for 80 years, despite an incredible amount of change to obviously you know, the work landscape in the last, you know, again, 80 plus years. It's amazing. It took a freaking worldwide pandemic to shift things even just a little as far as, you know, where work could happen and how it could happen efficiently. But despite, I would say, and I would even almost call them maverick companies at this point, there's a, there are companies who have really, you know, embraced and changed and done all that. But very few. We've never really looked at what productivity would be look like in, you know, here in the US in a 32-hour work week or even a 40-hour four-day work week or something like that. Uh, it just hasn't been studied a lot. You know, businesses are not spending a lot of time in it. Um, and here in the US, you know, and again, around the world, we've been working very long hours but here, especially in the U.S., very long hours and very little paid time off. I know some other countries just when I speak to people from other countries, they they just can't even believe what happens in the United States <laughs> on some level. Uh, uh, you know, when you compare us to other developed nations, right, we, we just don't take much pay, PTO, paid time off, uh, and we work much longer hours. And But again, I'm not going to spend a ton of time going over all the different variants to the work-life saga here, because that would just be too much. But what I will say is that there has been research showing that the average workday across the globe 
has increased by almost an hour since the pandemic. I'd argue it's more, but I don't have hard research for that. So I like to only quote what there's some good, good research for. So the research, the research also shows that remote workers now experience more burnout than those who work on site. Uh-huh. And that 76% of workers agree that job stress affects their mental health. Okay. So those are some scary stats. And when you think about someone working from home, I don't think it's shocking to hear that the burnout is actually a little bit higher because those boundaries get so icky and um, amorphous and difficult to identify when you go to work and then come home. You know, there's definitely some clear breaks and things. But when you work from home, that's different. Uh, I know a lot of people listening right now are, you know, thinking, no, no, I love working from home. It's great. I get to work out during the day. I get to see Abby. You know, I have people who come to therapy during the day. I, I get that. I'm not saying there's not pluses to it. I'm saying that there's also minuses to it. So you do need to keep that into, into um Take that into account. So, you know, what I think we can all agree on is that we're at a place where there are a lot of blurred boundaries between our professional and personal lives, you know, technology, everything else. And this is creating some major, major issues. Burnout being at the top of the list, which is hurting people mentally, physically, financially. So we're going to go there. Yeah. If you're burned out, you're leaving your job sooner than you might have otherwise, or you're not doing as good a job and you're not getting promoted. I mean, there's all kinds of ways that you get financial um, hits for the burnout. So don't just think, oh, I'm working, working so that, you know, and I'm making more money. You're, you likely aren't in the long term. I know. Cause again, it's been studied. So let's, let's talk about signs of burnout. Okay. And, and I want to say this burnout is not like an official diagnosis. It's, but even though it's not, it's definitely it's identifiable. My official definition is stress that's gotten to a point that you're physically and emotionally exhausted. That's burnout. That's the one I use. I'm not sure who might've said that first. I'm sure we've all said it in a multitude of ways, but it's stress that's gotten to a point that you're physically and emotionally exhausted. You're completely drained. You're feeling like you can never get ahead. No matter how much you do, you start to feel helpless and hopeless at work. Yeah. Yeah. If you're not sure if you're burned out, let me, these are, to me, are the signs to look for. So I would say definitely off the top emotional exhaustion, you know, little things might set you off or get you upset or overwhelmed because our emotional regulation goes down as we're more and more exhausted. Uh, You know, you just don't feel like you can handle one more thing or ask, you know, from anywhere. Another Symptom is physical fatigue. You you might be having some physical, like true physical exhaustion, not just mental. Difficulty concentrating is another uh, sign. Sense of failure, you know, the sense of failure and self-doubt all the time. Feeling uh, helpless, trapped, defeated, feeling alone in the world and detached from other people in some way. Uh, finding it difficult to get motivated or inspired, all signs of burnout. Oh, I see an increasingly sort of cynical and negative outlook to things like, you know, on everything, again, not just at work, but at home. A real decreased satisfaction and sense of accomplishment at work or at home. You know, your work performance might go down. 
in some ways, these feelings of disillusionment, disillusionment at work and again, or at home, because what happens is that our obviously our work burnout affects our home life. So you might be ignoring what's happening at work and suddenly your life at home seems to be falling apart. And I'll tell you, it might be very much linked to your burnout at work. You just don't have the emotional bandwidth left uh, to be with your partner or your kids or whoever else. and But it's really a work problem in boundaries, not a home problem. And you've made it a home problem because that's where it's showing up. So let's talk about the top five reasons you're burned out at work. Like, why are you so burned out? And there are lots of reasons you might be feeling burned out. But there, there's been a few recent polls and studies that say, and, and they kind of all come together to say it's generally due to the following. One is unfair treatment at work. And this can include everything from favoritism to mistreatment, misconduct, you know, from fellow employees or your manager or supervisor. It could be unfair compensation or corporate policies or, you know, bias of any kind, obviously racism and misogyny and all that good stuff. You know, when you believe you're being treated unfairly, you stop trusting your your coworkers, your supervisors, the executive leadership. So things start to really far, fall apart and you get burned out. It's a lot, again, of emotional um, workload to hold when that's going on. The second reason is some, and the most obvious, I think, is an unmanageable workload, which leads to, of course, poor performance, which leads to direct blows to your self-confidence on the job, because there's just too much to do. Nobody can get it done. A third reason is there's often a lack of role clarity. So when you're not sure exactly what's expected of you at work, or if that target keeps moving and expectations keep changing, burnout is inevitable. It's exhausting to figure out what other people want from you. And that leads to uncertainty, uh, confusion, resentment. Yeah, you might be, you're like, oh, that's me. <laughs> the fourth reason you might be burned out at work is lack of communication and support from your direct manager. If you don't feel like your supervisor has your back, or if they've been ineffectual in making changes, you know, you're going to start to feel very alone at work and unsupported. And you, worse even, you might even have a manager who's negligent or confrontational. So you'll really end up feeling burned out, defensive, angry, overwhelmed. And number five is generally something like an unreasonable time pressure. So in another survey I read, you know, employees who said they often or always have enough time to do their work. So get this. So employees who said, they often or always have enough time to do their work were 70% less likely to experience burnout. Are you hearing this? So you're 70% 70 less likely, less likely to have burnout if you feel like you most of the time or even always have enough time to do your work. It makes sense, right? If, if someone has given you a time constraint who doesn't really understand what it takes to get a project or job done or what it takes to give great customer service or whatever, you're going to feel frustrated and overwhelmed on the daily, which of course is going to lead to burnout, right? That same study I just mentioned, again, I'll link to all that in my show notes, uh, found that 23% of employees reported feeling burned out at work very often or always. And another 44% reported feeling burned out sometimes. So that's, come on, 60-something percent. So that means that about two-thirds of full-time workers, right? That's about two-thirds of full-time workers experience burnout on the job. There you go. 
How's that? And and many times part time is no better uh, because the part time isn't really part time. <laughs> if you're a burned out employee, you are um, about sixty three percent more likely to take a sick day, and you're twenty three percent more likely to go to an emergency room. I know you're killing yourself. You've got lower confidence in your performance at work, and you're half as likely to discuss how to fix that with your manager. I I know, I'm killing you right now, aren't I? Employees who consistently experience high level of burnout are twice as likely to strongly agree that their amount of time their job takes makes it difficult to um, fulfill their family obligations and responsibilities, right? So... I know I'm painting a bleak picture because I want you to do the tips I'm going to give you. (laughs) I'm like, hello, wake up. This isn't good. Let's stop the burnout. So let's talk about, oh, I just caught a glimpse of myself in the, I, I, you know, as I'm doing this, I'm recording, right? Uh, My, the camera is recording, but of course I have it very tiny and off to the side because I really don't want to look at myself. But every now and then I catch like my hair is all cockeyed or something. I see something sticking up and I'm like, what is that? It's me. Okay. Anyway. All right. So how to draw boundaries at work to avoid burnout, right? How else can I say that? I think that's how I'm going to say it. That's where we're going. Okay. And we all know I'm the queen of boundaries. I know boundaries, boundaries, but they are the answer to just about every issue you've got and creating a healthier work life. it, It ain't no different. All right. So let's get to it. Number one, set them and communicate them. That's your first, it's obvious, I know, but trust me, people don't do it. Communication is key when it comes to boundaries at work. Personal boundaries at work, they're going to vary, obviously, depending on the person. So it's important to be upfront about yours if you want people to respect them. Okay. So I have a few ways you can try to clearly communicate your boundaries to others. Let's talk about that. How, so how would I do that, Abby? How would I clearly communicate my boundaries to other other people? So first things first, I think, is to always let your team know that you sign off at a certain time every day. Ending your workday is probably the most important. Um, Or when you take breaks or when you have lunch or things like that. And yes, you should take lunch. It's so ridiculous not to, people from other countries are listening right now and can't even believe that in America we don't take a lunch. and, and that's not to say in France that people aren't getting overworked. Don't get me wrong. But as a, a general culture, other other countries are way better at this than the United States. Um, so you got to just say it. You can even have it. I have one uh, wonderful person I work with who has it in his email signature. You know, please note, these are the times I check my email. These are the times I work. <laughs> You know, regular business hours for me are, and he'll, he writes those out. I, I think it's brilliant, but you have to let people know, Hey, everybody. Um, I haven't been clear with this before. You know, these are the times you cannot reach me, or these are the times you can, whatever. Uh, when you're out of the office or, you know, signed off for the day, be very clear that you're not going to answer emails or calls unless there's an emergency. And I would denote what an emergency is. And again, and I already hear you yelling and screaming, but my job expects it and we're supposed to do it and everybody does it and we have to do it. You need to make this work for you, but I would absolutely tell you that it's time to stop being a victim 
And you know me, I don't do the victim shit. It's bullshit. You're not a victim. So you're going to need to figure this out because it's your life and it's not worth anything else. So you'll, I don't know, maybe you do have to change jobs. I don't know, but you've got to figure this out. So you have to take what I'm giving you, start where you can. You might not do all the things I'm saying here. Start with one of them. Start with just signing off every day at a particular time. Uh, And if your boss works till 11 o'clock at night, well, that's what they do. Let them know that you can't, that you're not fresh in the morning, that you can't think well at 11 o'clock. If you like working at 11 o'clock at night, great. Then don't start your day until 10 a.m. I don't know. Figure it out, but don't be a victim. Don't say you have to and I can't help it and this is the way it is because I'm not going to listen to that and I don't think you should listen to that. I think you are selling yourself really short. I think you're selling your self-worth short, uh, especially these days when people can't even get employees to come work. I think more than ever, you can draw a boundary and have that in your court. And as people start to draw boundaries and that becomes the corporate culture, guess what? Things start to change, but somebody has to start it. So there you go. Uh, And so define what constitutes an appropriate emergency to your team. You know, I would have that even laid out. I have many a supervisor I work with who uh, has it laid out. Here's our emergencies. Here are times you're allowed to reach me after 7 p.m. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, put a note in your email signature saying you only answer emails during specific hours. You could do that also, right? Um, for myself, I don't like having multiple places where people can leave me messages, right? So I used to, I would have voicemails I'd have to listen to and then emails and then, you know, so right now, if you call my phone number, (laughs) if you call my cell phone, you're going to get a recording that says, I don't check this. Don't leave me a message here go leave a message on my, you know, send me an email because I can get to emails just in an easier way than, I don't know why for me personally, I don't like listening to voicemails. And so I can do that easier. I also have other ways that, you know, we use Slack here in my business. You know, there's other things we use. I just don't like having 50 places where things are. It just makes me crazy when I got to check so many things. So it's it was easy for me to get rid of the voicemail. Um, and you know what? People listen and they don't leave it there or they leave it there knowing I'm not going to get to it. You know, I'll get to it when I get to it. But I would say I maybe get one voicemail a month now. Maybe. I, I don't even think it's that much. People hear it and they they oblige and they email me. It's quite lovely. Uh, Now, yeah, I end up with a lot of emails, but again, I've scheduled in when I check emails. I don't check emails all night. I don't check them all weekend. You know, I really have those boundaries with people. So, and with myself, and I don't always have to announce them, but it's an announcement when I just don't answer you until Monday. And sometimes people say, hey, I've, you know, I emailed you days ago. You're kind of late getting back to me. I'm like, no, I'm not. You emailed me Friday at four. I wasn't working. And now it's Monday and I'm getting back to you. I, you know, I'm just, I'm very clear around that stuff. (laughs) So just be clear. You have to communicate what you want. People can't guess. Don't assume. Don't think, well, anybody would do it. No, no, that's not how it works. So, and sometimes you can set boundaries with structure. Uh, You know, that's another way. You don't always have to say them exactly, but you can have a structure that sets the boundary. Um, My favorite, you know, when people, if you are in meetings, there are people are in more meetings now than ever. And we know that from the research. I'm not just saying that. There are more meetings. They're shorter than they used to be, but there's more of them. But still, when you're in a meeting, people get long-winded, don't they? You ever see that, you know? You're on a Zoom and 
Bob gets his coffee and sits back in his big recliner and you're like, ah, crap, you know, we're going to be here all day. Um, so there's a few things. You can set an agenda to keep the group on task. Even if you're not the leader of that thing, you can just say, I feel like the meetings go too long. Everyone will nod their head. Every single person in the room, maybe except for Bob. And poor Bob. I'm sure there's Bobs out there. I always use Bob from accounting as my my muse. <laughs> my muse for annoying people at work. Um, and Bob, I'm sure you're great. And so I apologize to all the Bobs. Uh, anyway. But if people are, when you say that, like, hey, these meetings have been going on too long, you know, everyone's going to nod their head. I've been in those meetings when someone says it. So that if you said, you know, hey, I'd like us to have an agenda for now on, I'm happy to keep it and I'm happy to keep everybody on task. Uh, you can set a timer for how long people get to talk or for how long you'll discuss an agenda item. You know, have a meeting uh, where oh, everyone's standing. That'll shorten any meeting. That'll get Bob out of his chair. Get him out of his chair standing up. He's not going to say a word. When people just settle back and they have their coffee and they're doing their thing, it's, uh, you know, it it, it just gets too long. So find ways with the structure to keep the boundary, right? Setting timers, doing whatever. Um, what's the other complaint I get a lot? Oh, oh, oh. If you've got a micromanaging boss, you know, who stops at your desk constantly and interrupts your work, (laughs) a lot of you should be nodding your head because I get emails about this. Set a time for a daily check-in with them or twice a day if needed. Or, and you can say the truth. You know what? I know, you know, you really like to be on top of things and really know that things are happening in a certain way. But for me, when you stop by my desk, it, it interrupts my workflow and I am actually not as quick, but I want you to have what you want. You know, I, I understand that you want to check. So I, how about if we check in every day at, you know, first thing when I walk in in the morning, I'll let you know my agenda. And if, you know, or we'll set my agenda. And if you or if I'm not going to finish something, I'll let you know, like by lunch or by one o'clock or something that I'm not, that doesn't look good for getting something done. And we can meet again and kind of recalibrate, or you can just meet twice a day and do it or whatever, you know, and it's a great way. I have a lot of people who do this now with micromanager managing supervisors is that, you know, they go in for saying like, Hey, you know, and you don't have to do it with resentment or anger. You can actually do it from a loving place. Everybody can be happier now and, you know, set up a system where you ask in the morning what the priorities they want you to have are and let them know you'll make sure those are finished or, or you'll contact them. You can tell them like, I guarantee this will be done by whatever time, but I will let you know if they're not, I will come to you. So you don't have to check in. You can know that these are the times they're done. These are the priorities we've set together. I'm, I'm there. Um, having again, that clear time you start and end work is really, really important. And, and there's, there's research behind this. It has shown that remote workers routinely extend their day by about 50 minutes. And that is become because they don't, you know, again, they like, oh, well, I took a few minutes to go change the laundry and I I went for, I worked out at lunch and or I talked to my therapist during the day. So, and they just sort of keep giving more time at the end, you know, don't, don't do it. It's okay. Just is your work done? Like get your work done establish a hard end of the day deadline. And it's really, again, important that you stick to it. Turn off your computer, put away your phone so you're not tempted to check it, you know, one last time, one last email, do those things. All right. 
Tip number two is to work it out with your supervisor. If you're going to set and keep boundaries at work, you really want to sit down with your supervisor and have them in on the plan, if at all possible. When I do work in companies, there's a favorite process I use that I sort of cobble together from really the work of uh, Ken Blanchard. He's one of my favorite business authors and researchers. I'm sure everybody read the one minute manager and he he's kind of amazing. But so what you do is this, is you create a list of all the things you. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Think you're accountable for it, your job. Okay, so here's all the things I think I'm accountable for at my job. Make a list. And I would do this over the course of a week or so because there are many things you likely do that you'll forget if you don't note them in real time. So if you just sat to make the list, you know, you'd maybe have 20 things on it. And then as the week goes on, you're like, oh my God, yeah, and I do that. Oh, I forgot. And I also check that. Oh, I'm also supposed to hand this report in to so-and-so. All those little things that you don't really think of, this is not a job description. A job description are kind of the bigger things that you do, not all the minutia. This list of all the things you do, like that you're responsible for, is all the minutia. Now you've got that list. Now you're going to send that list to your boss and you're going to set some time with your boss to go over said list. So you're going to send your list to your boss and then have your boss say to them, please add to this or make notes on it for things you don't want me to be doing or whatever. So they can add anything you might have forgotten. So the list should be as exhaustive and comprehensible as possible. And I'm going to tell you this, just the act of writing everything down will likely have some aha moments for you and your supervisor. I've done this so many times over the last 40 years. Well, I haven't been doing corporate work for 40 years, but let's say the last 25, 30. (laughs) I've done this so many times with supervisors and, you know, or you know, people, well, I've done it with supervisors with their own bosses, obviously, but just with workers to their supervisor. And in my experience, there are often very different viewpoints about what is or should be on this list. And again, there's aha moments right there that can create less work for you, create a more sustainable system. Uh, it's, it's, kind of amazing. Your your boss will be like, I didn't know you did these 20 things. Like, I don't even want you doing those 20 things. And then you need to explain, well, I do this for this and I do that for that. And, and again, you can problem solve together. Uh, and so, and I, and again, I'm generally having that list, making sure you and your boss both have a copy and, and then prioritize 
So then kind of finalize that list. All right, here's the things I don't want on there. You have to get rid of whatever. And now I want you to prioritize what should be happening. And so what I have people do is use a, a one to six, okay, with any and all top priorities getting a one. So you might have, you know, might, let's say you have a list of 20 items. You might have five of them that are ones, okay, or eight of them that are ones. So and then once again, you want to compare the lists and start to problem solve. So, you know, you each have the list, you're each prioritizing what should happen, and then you sort of come together, or you can do this just as one together. You can do it. You can do it separately and then compare, or you can just do it together. But you got to problem solve. If there's a list of 20 things and 19 are ones, that's a problem because you can't do 19 things every day. So <laughs> what does that mean? And, or maybe there's things that you consider a one and your boss considers a, a, a five and is upset that you're spending time on. And so you have to talk about it. Why is this a priority to you? Why do you think, you know, sometimes bosses don't, supervisors don't understand that you have to do this other thing to get to the next thing, you know, like without, they don't understand the workflow as well as you do, or they might have a new they might be right that you really don't need to be doing that thing. And maybe you just like doing it because you're a control freak. And this is something that you control. And so is that smart? Is it healthy? So when you're comparing or when you're going over the list together, you know, is there anything which got a four or five or a six that can be delegated? That's the next thing you're looking at. Does someone maybe need to be hired or the job responsibilities redrawn? You know, there's a lot of things that can happen there of the, and of those top priorities with like ones, twos, and threes, again, how should those best be prioritized every day within the priorities? Like, how can you schedule that maybe? Is there times when you can have the door closed at work and not be interrupted to work on the ones, you know, whatever. When you have your supervisor in on it, things can really change. Your boundaries can really change. And definitely, again, what can come off the plate or be rethought are really what you're doing. And then what I like when I have people do this assignment, I have them come together every week for one month to review the priorities and the new workflow and see, again, what needs to be changed, you know, because something has to be sustainable, right? It's got to be sustainable. So when you do this little process, it really helps you. And if you're a supervisor listening, I would do this with your, the people that work in your department. I know if you're higher up, you know, it depends on how low that goes, but have everybody do this. First of all, it's a great way for people to feel heard and seen for the work they do. And second of all, it's a great way to really look at where efficiencies can happen, where um, streamlining can happen, where maybe a new restructuring can happen. It is such a, it's a very, very helpful um technique, uh, strategy. And uh, I just highly recommend it. Now I do understand you might be listening saying, well, my supervisor is the main person trampling my boundaries, <laughs> but I would say then this exercise is more important than ever. It's a way to call your supervisor out on their unhealthy behavior without coming directly out and stating that, you know, that they're being crazy. It is the perfect thing if your supervisor is the problem. This is the perfect thing. And if, and they're going to try to probably avoid this because they don't want to know what the truth is. They don't want to know. And your job is to chase them down like a dog, like a dog. Don't take no for an answer and chase them down and say, I need to do this with you. I, I can't keep doing the job this way. It's not working for me. I need to figure this out. Uh, and you can 
bring them to heel, so to speak. So, you know, I like to use the term, uh, <laughs> I, I use I'm confused a lot when it comes to stuff like this. So let's say you've laid everything out and your supervisor still expects you to work 10 hours a day. Again, you can kind of stop and, you know, okay, so I'm confused. I've been doing this job a while and what's laid out here is my priorities will take, you know, easily about 10 hours a day to complete. So if you're asking, are you asking me to work 10 hours a day? And they'll likely hem and haw and they'll be like, oh, it's not going to take you 10 hours and, you know, again, or whatever, and, or try to get you off track, but just stick to your boundary. And you can just say it again. No, this, this will, I've been doing this a long time. This will definitely take 10 hours. I know. And I am doing everything right. I can't do it in less time, I guess is what I'm telling you. I can't, I can't, there's no way. So now what? I'm confused. This is still going to take 10 hours a day and that's not our agreement or that's not what I work or I can't do that. So let's, you know, how are we going to problem solve that? I would make it their problem, not yours. It's not your problem that you can't do 10 hours of work in eight hours or that you don't want to work 10 hours a day when you're not supposed to. That's not your problem. That's theirs. That That is their problem. So don't own it. Don't make it yours. And I people do it all the time, but I have had people do this other thing and it works. But you just stop and go, no, no, I've been doing this a long time. It takes me 10 hours. I'm just telling you how long it takes me. If you can find someone who could do it quicker, I guess I'm out of a job, but I can't. And I'm telling you, <laughs> they're going to back up. They don't want to fire you over this. They just are trying to get all this out of you because they have their own, you know, they have people breathing down their neck and they are, you know, paying that forward, so to speak, in a yucky way. Okay. Tip number three is don't waffle. There will be times when your boundary isn't respected, guaranteed, not if, when. There will be times when your no isn't accepted at first. You cannot waffle or bend. It is at these times that it's more important than ever that you stick to your boundary. And to do this, follow these steps. Repeat the exact same words calmly. Again, don't change what you're saying to try to make it more palatable or easier. The more you say, the easier it's for the other person to refute some part of what you're putting out there. They're going to try to change your mind. If the other person persists and asks for more details, well, what are you so busy doing that you can't work on this project? You say, I'm telling you that my schedule is booked. You just say the same thing. In my experience, by the way, the person who's asking is getting huffy because they didn't draw their own boundaries about taking care of themselves. So they resent that you are. Don't You don't have to get drawn into that. You don't have to play on their level. Don't justify or give reasons. When you start to give reasons, you're going to end up with the other person trying to convince you about why you should drop your plans to come help, or they'll offer suggestions and problem solve how you could make their request fit. Again, don't get caught in the trap. Don't get caught. You, you, and you could even say maybe, hey, I know you're in a jam, and if I could help, I would. Right? You can say that. If I could help, I would. I can't. If they still persist, then finally, so, so you're going to just repeat what you said, whatever your boundary was, just repeat it. No embellishments, no reasoning, no justification, right? If they keep going, you're going to keep saying it in your way, you know, or maybe, hey, if, if you were, I know you're in a jam, if I could help, I would. And if they're still going, this is when I get to feelings. I start, tell them how you feel. Tell them how you feel if they keep going. 
So, hey, I'm starting to feel angry. I've said no, and you're continuing to push. For me, this conversation is done, and I don't appreciate you turning me into the bad guy for having a boundary or turning me into the bad woman because I'm already booked. I, I, in this case, you want to focus on the emotions you're feeling and not the details of why you're refusing. When you get to that, it generally shuts people up. I, there's often nothing quicker. And Or sometimes they'll come back, well, I'm mad too. You know, I need this thing done. And it's like, uh-huh. And again, then you just get to that calm, uh-huh. Don't argue with them. That I'm telling you, because if you said... If they said, well, I'm mad too because I need to get this thing done. And you said, well, I can't do it. You know, I can't help you. Then you're in an argument. If you agree with them, yeah, that's why they're mad. They can't get this thing done. I agree. I'm like, yeah, yeah. And you just stop. There's nothing for them to hook. There's nothing for them to grab on at that point. So, you know, saying no is a skill. And like any other skill, it takes practice to get good at it. What's important is to remember why you're saying no at work. And in the end, you should be saying no for two main reasons. First, you're saying no because it's something that's going to infringe on the structure you've set, right? On your boundaries. You say no to jumping on a work call at 8 p.m. because you've set a boundary that you don't do work after 6 p.m. And the other reason you're saying no is because the request isn't in line with the priorities that you've set at work. Your goals and priorities are your filter for saying yes or no in most cases. I will tell you that right now. For you know, I get I get offers all the time for different kinds of work. All the time. People have great ideas for me. Oh, you should try this, you should try that, you should try this. Well, and I even get excited by some of those things that come my way. I, but I always stop and ask myself, is this in line with my priorities in my business right now? It could be something even that makes a lot of money, uh, but is it in, but is it where I want to be going? Is it in line with what I say I'm doing here? Will this take me down a different track than where I'm supposed to focus right now? I get ideas for things to give you guys all the time. <laughs> ideas are not my issue. I'll be like, I want to do this and I want to do that. No, I want to give them this. And I want to create a book for this and a bag for that. Forget about it. And it, I just have to keep coming back. Like, what are my priorities right now? It's actually how the membership I mentioned earlier, finally, you know, that's why that came to fruition because I kept talking about wanting to have a different impact and having more time with people. And then it kept coming down to like writing more books or whatever. And I was like, no, that's not it. And, and the membership was it, you know? So it's easy to jump at shiny things. I love a shiny thing. I'll come up with 20 shiny things, but saying no and keeping your boundaries is the key to your success, right? That's your key. I know you'd be shocked to hear I have an an episode called How to Say No and Stick to It. So I'll link to that in the show notes. Tip number four is not to take it personally. You want to handle things rationally, not emotionally. Stop assigning blame or deciding that other people are trying to manipulate you or trying to shove their work onto you. There's no need to label or diagnose anyone else. You've got your boundary. You repeat it. And then you leave the conversation as quickly as possible. Okay. If you think about it, there are a few, I'm going to say identifiable people who upset you the most. 
There are certain coworkers or bosses that you feel angry, resentful, or guilty towards. And these are the people where you really want to pull your own ego and emotions out of what's happening and be as rational and clear as possible. Don't take their reactions personally. How people react is about them, not you. I know. I know. I'm going to say it again. How people react is about them, not you, because we all know you could say the perfect, perfect thing. You could stay up all night crafting the exact thing to say with the nicest voice and the nicest words, and they freak out because it's about them. That wasn't about you. You said everything wonderfully. It's about them. It's always about them. Just in the same way that if you freak out when someone is telling you something, it's about you. I say with love because I love you. You know how much I love you. Who loves you? Abby loves you. But it is. That's your shit, not theirs. So some people will absolutely get upset when you start holding boundaries. They're gonna. You want to expect pushback, not be surprised by it. When you expect it, you won't get upset. You're not going to be disappointed (laughs) because they're giving you just what you expected. The more pushback you get, by the way, the more I want you to realize that this boundary was long overdue. Long overdue. The angrier people are, When I set a boundary, the more I'm thinking, holy crap, I waited way too long to set that boundary. That is on me. That is the time. Their upset is still about them, but it is on me to realize that they're this upset and they're pushing back so hard and they're coming for me because I have been giving them way too much for too long. That's what's going on. I am sure, you know, it's so funny. I, I give a lot in this podcast, right? I mean, I give a ton. It's all give. It's give, 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 give. I mean, you might have bought my book and you might have bought a mug on the website or something, but let's be real. I I got hours and hours every month invested into this, you know, really thousands of dollars a month. If you think about my time, you know, what I charge, it's a lot. And I'll have people write in and, you know, complain that, you know, hey, I want you to even, you know, I had somebody who was very nice and actually a good idea. It's a great idea. He was like, you know, can you start numbering, saying the number of the podcast and the exact name? Because sometimes I go to the show notes and it's not there exactly the way you said it and whatever. And I and I was I was talking to my assistant about it. I was like, oh, this is a great idea. I really have to start doing this. And she's like, are you kidding me? You give them so much. Like, I'm sorry if occasionally something is missed and, you know, you didn't list every single thing. She said, but there's 50 other things you listed. Like, there's plenty there. Or they could do their own search on the website, you know, put in the term and look for it themselves. Why are you doing, you know? And it's like, people will always complain or that wasn't a complaint. That was a nice person. Hello, if you're listening and you wrote that. But you know what I'm saying though? But people always ask for more or they will complain. I have had people complain. They've written, you know, I, I remember this one review I got on the website on the podcast, they were upset. I did an interview with BJ Fogg way back and they didn't like the interview. They didn't think it went well. And their whole interview, their whole, they gave me four stars instead of five because of this interview. <laughs> so this person had listened to a hundred podcasts and loved them all, was was raving about all the rest in the thing. But then he said, he didn't like, you know, and I don't interview well. And I was a fangirling, it's true. Because I don't interview much. So I'm not good at it. I'm good at this. And he didn't like it. And I'm like, and my assistant at the time was so angry. She's like, this is such bullshit. Like, why didn't he give you five stars or she? I don't know if it's a male or female, but you know, like what, like really you're going to complain about that? You're getting all this free content, all this free love, all this great stuff. And they're complaining, you know, like, and and it's like, oh yeah, because that's how it is. 
it's okay. I love you if you have complained. It's all right. It's all right. Uh, or if you've given me helpful suggestions, you know, it's all right. And it is okay to give suggestions. I, I Again, it's okay. It, it's just in a frame of really appreciating everything that's happening, you know, just be aware. So people will, will come after your boundaries all the time. You know, the, it's easy for people not to be satisfied and to be looking outside themselves for someone else to satisfy it. So you will be happier and more satisfied in your work and, and in your life as a whole when you set and hold boundaries. Believe it or not, you will absolutely gain the respect of your colleagues and your supervisors, even if they're the ones complaining. <laughs> but most importantly, you'll start feeling self-respect. You'll start feeling more confident and your self-esteem will rise. I know, I know, right? All right. I know I said five tips, but I'm going to give you four because we've spent a lot of time today. We've gone over a lot of things. And, and the only last thing I was going to say is about just scheduling your time, making sure that things are really scheduled. That is the best way. You know, Jim Rohn, one of my favorite gurus said success is scheduled. And, you know, if you're going to keep boundaries at work, you're going to need to think about how to wrangle and schedule your day. You really are. You can't just go in there with a loose set of things to do and expect to get it done. And that is, again, when you end up doing too much. If you feel like you're, you know, just overwhelmed at work or any of that stuff, it's usually because you're not scheduling somehow. You're not being clear. Um, so that is your next thing to do. Okay, that is it for today. Woo, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, you know, do one tip, do two tips, do whatever you can, but start really thinking about how to create boundaries at work that really work for you. Start really taking it seriously that you need to have boundaries. Do not act like a victim. Do not blame other people. We don't play that here on the podcast. We do not. That's not part of how we are. So think, think to yourself, okay, I'm in this untenable situation. What can I do to get out of it? What's one thing I can do? What's one move I can make? And that's all I want you to do. One small action in the direction of where you want to go. That's where you start. And if the place you can start is by leaving, uh, changing your voicemail to say, I don't, ex you know, please don't leave a message here. Email me. That's a great boundary. Start with that. If that's going to help you to wrangle your work and to not work as long, then I am all for it. All right. That is it for today. Thank you for hanging out with me. Uh, again, make sure you email me at abby at abbymedcalf.com. Tell me what you'd maybe like to see in the new membership we are starting in early to 2023. I adore you. I love you. I have faith in you. Such faith in you. Have an amazing week and we'll talk soon. Thank you for listening to the Relationships Made Easy podcast with wonderful me, Dr. Abby Metcalf. And I've got two quick things to say. Just give me one more minute. First, I love spending this time with you and I work hard to make sure every single episode is going to help you move from any feelings of frustration or resentment or anxiety to that connected, hopeful, confident. That's always my goal. So if you have any ideas for a future episode or just want to say hi, let me know what the podcast is doing for you. Anything. You can email me at abby at abbymedcap.com. How simple is that? And the second thing I want to say is if you like the podcast, you're going to go crazy, crazy for my book. 
My book is really good. I'm really proud of it. You can find it on Amazon or on my website under the shop section on my website at abbymetcalf.com. It's called Be Happily Married, Even If Your Partner Won't Do a Thing. And even if your partner will do a thing, the book will still really help you. So that's it. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.